Well done. Well done indeed. Effective. Efficient. Oh. <laughs> and to say the very least, entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the smell of the hunt and the taste of the shunt. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. We are in for a shunting tonight because uh, we are looking at the 1989 film Society, the bizarre horror film Society. We will definitely hold off on kind of where this movie goes initially. We'll kind of talk around some aspects because like the last half hour, there's a lot of reveals and, you know, things kind of kick into gear. So we'll talk uh, about other aspects and, and the movie because it's about an hour and a half movie or so, hour 40 minutes. So we'll talk leading up to that for a while and then uh, we'll eventually dig in. So it's kind of similar if you've listened to other shows that we've done where... You know, we always do spoilers. That's on the information for the show. But, you know, I am aware that, you know, if you're listening to a show, specifically a show about weird films you've never heard of, it would be kind of weird for us to just like right out of the gate be like, well, here's what happens. So uh, if something is like kind of spoilery in some way that would affect viewing, we do try to hold back a little bit before we actually dive into it to give you a chance to uh, whet your appetites and potentially uh, you know, track down the film before finishing our episode. All right, so Society, 1989. It is directed by Brian Usna, and uh, he directed Bride of Reanimator, the follow-up to uh, you know, the original Great Reanimator. I enjoy Bride of Reanimator as well. Uh, it's a good, good film. He also did the horror film The Dentist, and progeny and many others uh, a lot of like very schlocky horror films those are kind of the more prominent titles so he was never making like the biggest horror stuff out there but definitely a lot of stuff that uh, horror fans have seen and i'm sure have enjoyed he also wrote from beyond and honey i shrunk the kids among others and he produced uh, many movies in his career as well. And he worked a lot with Stuart Gordon. So Stuart Gordon directed the original Reanimator and directed From Beyond. And Stuart Gordon also co-wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which was something that we mentioned on a previous episode. So, um, so that's those guys. So Brian Usna is the director of this one. This was his first film. His second was... Um, Bride of Reanimator, this was like a package deal where he had the rights to Reanimator to do a sequel, and he basically used that as leverage of like, okay, we could do a Reanimator sequel, but I want to make a different movie, and I want that movie to be first, and that movie was Society. So uh, beyond that, the uh, film stars no one you've ever seen or heard of in your life. Um they, David is raising a pointed finger because he's clearly seen them on some midnight movie in some fucking dark alley somewhere. But, uh, but basically, none of these people. There's no names. There's no prominent people. I mean, I I looked up some of the credits. They have appeared in a handful of other, you know, like schlocky things, horror things, that kind of stuff. Maybe there's someone who's gone on to something. I'm unaware of it. I know there's like a sexy girl in this and she's like a playboy playmate and was like dating Sylvester Stallone. So that might be the height 
of society star power we're dealing with. Um, but David can correct me on anything I'm overlooking here. He is a, <laughs> he is a, an encyclopedia of the unnecessary. Um, but yeah, so I would say for society, uh, any other things I would throw out there before we would dig in and like, again, trying to avoid giving much away. If you haven't seen this movie before, I feel the best way to go into it is to go into it absolutely cold. I will say that in, if you are a horror fan, if you are like only a so-so horror fan, you probably don't want to start with society. You want to build up a callus to get to society. So I'll, I'll say that. But if you, you know, if you've seen a lot of horror movies, if you're a horror fan, if you've, you know, established yourself as a horror fan, then it's like, okay, I don't know really anything about this. Cause this is, I mean, I'm a horror fan for a very long time. I, the first time I came across this movie was maybe seven, eight years ago. I had never heard about it. I had never seen it on anything, uh, you know, on a list or anything. And then randomly some, uh, maybe it might've been like a Facebook group or something had an image shared from this film. And the image was very bizarre and striking. And I was like, what's that? And I had no idea what this thing was. So I reversed image searched it and I found like society. Huh? Okay. I don't know what this is. So I think I went in pretty cold, although I might have known some about it going in. So I will say that like, if you can, you know, you can hear some of what we're talking about for the preliminary stuff, but if you can go into this movie cold or better yet, subject someone to it for the first time so that they, uh, they have to, uh, endure society as a whole. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't think there's a whole lot of like background stuff to mention. I can say that the movie did not succeed. Uh, I couldn't find any like hard numbers on like what its production cost was, although I think it was like pretty low, you know, like low to average for the type of horror movie it is. I couldn't find any numbers on that. Couldn't find any numbers on what box office it did. But I do know that while it was like officially released in 1989, that was in Europe. And it was not released in the United States until 1992, probably because they likely had some difficulty in like securing places to want to release it would be my guess, because it didn't it didn't do well here. It did get like a, a mixed to positive critical response. So it wasn't like trashed, um, but it definitely didn't do well financially from what I was seeing. Um, and it has garnered like a large cult following in the horror community since and Europe kind of embraced it. Europe, specifically England, embraced it at the time. So it was like, you know, seen as kind of like, you know, a minor success there. And so the director was pleased about that. So as a horror film, I think it's like kind of one of those like gems. Like I said, I didn't know about it, but um, it's one of those gems that I think like a lot of horror fans cling to, especially since it's like reanimator people have heard of. It made an impact. It made money. But this is one by some of the same people, and it's kind of a little more under the radar because it just wasn't successful. So you really kind of had to find this, I would think, through video, like, uh, you know, old VHSs and stuff. I couldn't find, uh, I'll get to this at the end, but I'm not entirely sure if this movie was ever released on American DVD. It is on Blu-ray. They've done like a, you know, a restoration and stuff. But so there's 
even could have been a period where this movie, unless you found it on VHS, you probably couldn't find it in the American market, much like Elves, when we did the film Elves. That was one that's only available on VHS and has never been put to any other format. So, and, and I also would be amazed if any TV channel has ever run society. If anyone knows that this has ever happened in, in the history of American television, please find me the TV guide. Uh, mail it in, take a screenshot, whatever you want to do, because I don't know where this would have played. It could have played possibly on like a Showtime or Cinemax or something, maybe. Um, it could not have played even on basic cable. I, you couldn't do it now just because of some of the content. And it's not even that it's like the most violent thing in the world. It's just so bizarre and unsettling at certain key points that I can't imagine like an AMC or a Turner Classic Movies or a TNT wanting to run this. Also, I'm sure some censor would just be sitting there being like, I don't even know what to cut. Like, what 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 can we leave? <laughs> like, so, uh, so basically, so that would be one thing I would say is like, that might be a reason why society doesn't have like a bigger um, kind of audience in the horror community is, you know, there's... Only so much once it kicks into gear that you could probably take out because it's so ingrained in what's happening and then the plot and everything. So I don't know. I don't know if this has ever aired anywhere. Um, only other thing I'll say before I introduce everybody is that uh, I've kind of alluded to it, but this movie has some like kind of knockout crazy 80s special effects. That's uh, sort of the key drawing point to this movie and that comes in in the last half hour there's uh, a couple more preliminary things early on but uh, so if you like 80s practical effects uh, as i do as david does as any true blue horror fan does you know this is there's a lot of really impressive and disturbing things going on so like you know, if you like the thing, the fly, the blob, I mean, some of this isn't done quite as well. I doubt they have the money of some of those, but still what they're pulling off is very good, very interesting, very weird and very effective on screen. So that's kind of the big drawing point and selling point of society. All right. So we'll dive in here with our guests. We've got a couple returning members here, both horror fans so we have uh, David, who is our uh, horror aficionado, rejoining us here. Hi, I hope to uh, be able to make a good contribution to society during this next uh, <laughs> hour and a half. And uh, who was the uh, who was the actor that you uh, had notes on? Um, the character Milo, played by Evan Richards. Okay. He played the weird friend in. Uh, the Corey Feldman classic, Rock and Roll High School Forever, 1991 film that is a sequel to the 1978 uh, Rock and Roll High School. Rock and Roll High School has the Ramones. Rock and Roll High School Forever has Corey Feldman doing his Michael Jackson shtick. Yes. I never said that no one in this was ever in a film again. They weren't struck from Hollywood. I was just saying that none of them were famous. Is, that is a huge movie. It was on Comedy <laughs> Central every day for like three years in the mid to late 90s. 
All right. I stand corrected. My mistake. Uh, we also have joined us, uh, coming back again here, we have Dusty, who has, uh, it's, uh, and now I'm thinking about it, he's been subjected to some of our uh, darker horror entries because uh, I've now gotten him to watch Society for the first time. Yeah. He joined us on the journey of Elves, mm-hmm. uh, which is also from 1989, so, uh, so these came out the same year. And uh, you were with us on The Evil Within. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> It's, um, yeah, all, all great examples of how true our friendship is. Um, I will say to, I, you also I, got drop dead gorgeous. No, which is correct. I, that was wonderful. Um, but yeah, I personally find the lack of CGI in this movie, a sign of how truly lazy these filmmakers are and <laughs> would have been, oh, would have been so terrible, but oh my God. Look, they should have, they should have taken the practical effects and then done CGI over top of them. Exactly. Like the thing prequel. 100%. That's the way you do it. Yeah. That's how you do a horror. That's what the kids want to see. Practical effects that they can't even see that are underneath <laughs> CGI effects for some reason. Look, latex is the perfect green screen. It's wonderful. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, so that's Dusty uh, rejoining us here. So, yeah, I don't really have any other background stuff. There's some uh, some production things I can throw out as we go along. Not a whole lot of prep kind of thing for this one. Just uh, the kind of key details I put out there. So again, we're going to hold off on talking about like the last half hour or so because the last half hour kind of like rips the Band-Aid off and reveals a bunch of stuff about what's been going on up to that point. Because prior to that point, the movie plays as sort of a mystery. So um, we will talk about that uh, in a bit down the road here. But uh, so barring that, we can talk about other aspects. So what do we make of society? So... About two weeks ago, I had friends over for, uh, you know, bad horror movies in my yard type thing. Yeah. Society was the uh, second one in our double feature. It was the Midnight Movie. And uh, about three of my uh, friends that were there that night had to get up and leave during that final <laughs> half an hour. Um, I love it. It's It's... It's a weird movie. Does well. Does well with making things a little bit creepy for the first uh, while, and it does well with ratcheting up the mystery and the creepiness. And then all of a sudden, it's one of those slowly, then suddenly. Oh God! I love it. Yeah, I um, I was telling Lytton I made the mistake of watching this on my work computer. <laughs> so. So that'll that'll be a great punchline in about an hour. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's one of those movies that feels like you would find it at a cursed family video. Like, no one remembers when it showed up there, but they put a price tag on it anyway. And no one's rented it, so no one knows what's wrong yet. <laughs> um, it, it does at times feel like the sort of thing you'd see on USA Up All Night during the mid-90s at least up until the last half hour, just because it is that combination of, you know, silk stocking sexuality and and kind of strange taboo um, insinuations, but also really bad acting by people with names like Billy Warlock, and which, great acting name. Would have appreciated more if he went by William, but... 
Oh my god. William T. Warlock. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so this is so this is like a you're saying that this is like a, a Lovecraft cursed object or uh, <laughs> this is like the the evil film in uh, Cigarette Burns, John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns. Yes. It, it's the sort of thing that you would find in the woods while hunting for mythical porn, but instead you pick up this this VHS tape and suddenly you realize no birds are singing and you're surrounded by <laughs> silence. <laughs> So uh, some interesting opening thoughts for myself. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I can live up to either of those. Those were some uh, good tirades uh, these gentlemen went on. Yeah, basically for me, I watched Society for the first time, like I said, seven, eight years ago. I had seen one image going in that was super bizarre. I don't know if I had seen anything else. I don't know how much I knew about it. But I definitely, definitely didn't know like the full extent of it by any means. So I went into it pretty cold then. This is like my second viewing of it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it for its weirdness. I enjoy it for its like the balls it has and like how much it commits by the end. I think it's more of a dare than it is a movie though. Um, we'll dig into that because I think like the actual like story it tells, like it has bones there. Like I said, there's kind of this mystery aspect so it does have something that's propelling the plot. And so like there's much worse movies that are just ambling and don't go anywhere. There is something that's like pulling you along and you're like, all right, well, where's this headed? What's this adding up to? And so then it does go somewhere and it reveals things. But even with that, I don't think it tells a good enough or interesting enough story. Um, and then like none of the characters are good. Some of the characters are good in a cartoonish fun bad movie way but you know there are no like oh i love this character as a horror icon or that character was like so scary or anything i mean the the tone it goes for is i mean by the end it's like commentary on on like lofty issues so some like satirical aspects up to that point it's not really satirical the first hour is mostly like what's this mystery and it's kind of like like dusty you i think you said the thing of like it feeling like up all night with like silk stockingsy like like there's this kind of like you know cheap you know i mean you know softcore porn element i mean it's not that's not it i mean there's there's some sexuality there's some nudity but it's just I'd say the first hour is just kind of like limping along and it's just to get you to the last half hour. Yeah. I will say that last half hour has a lot of payoff for horror fans, but there's not much in the first hour for me that I'm like caring about. There's a couple cool moments. Um, yeah. There's also some, some equally weird parts where I'm like, what is this choice for? Why, why, why are we going here? But but ultimately, so this isn't one I own. I'll say that up front. A lot of movies that I've done on the show are movies that I own. Um, so this is is not one I own. Um, I a lot of people, horror fans, I'm sure would. Uh, I wouldn't like dissuade anyone from owning it. I, if somebody had it on their shelf, I'd be like, oh, I get it. I get why you got society. But I just don't know how many times I could rewatch it. And that's and for me, it's not even 
how weird the ending gets. It's how bland the first hour is. <laughs> like I, I, I want more weird prior to the first uh, year, prior to that last half hour. So uh, I, I'm kind of mixed on it, but it's definitely one that I think any true blue horror fan and movie junkie should see at least once. A little bit with the uh, the acting and the weird characterizations or lack thereof, because everyone is basically just a uh, every at the beginning everyone's just a an archetype, but like yeah. an '80s movie archetype. So you're not you're not getting an Apollo type. You're getting a all right. This guy's the uh, rich asshole, and this is the uh, sexy bad girl, rich lady who, or yeah. you know, rich high school student, and these other rich uh, parents who don't really care, like all that. But the weirdness in the acting reminded me of um, this was a thing in the '80s, I guess. Of uh, just the weird stinted acting in things like um, uh, Terror Vision or yeah. the 1989 Dr. Caligari where it was just strange. Uh, oh, it, I've, I've never seen that one. It's um, interesting. It was a meant to be a midnight movie. Uh, it's a film school movie. It's amazing. Anyhow. Gotcha. But very much a kind of strange angles that everyone's acting very oddly and unnaturally. And that was almost in vogue for a certain kind of C or below movie. It, uh, I just got the feeling in a lot of these of, well, we're making bad movies, so we're going to lean into making bad movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that these actors were good actors. I'm saying these actors were bad actors making um, choices to really up the ante on that, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine if you're a director, it's probably easier to direct towards that than it is to be like, okay, now act harder. Be be good, yeah. better. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... um. I th- and apologies, Linton, if, if this is something you're going to bring up later, but I was reading uh, some trivia on the movie that... The, the plot was kind of reverse engineered based off of what uh, Screaming Mad George, who did the the special effects, of what he said he could do, and then based on those effects is what they formed the plot around. <laughs> um, which is as good a I, reason as any. I got look, movies have been made for worse reasons. It's <laughs> it's honestly pretty perfect if you're gonna make a a kind of weird goddamn movie. But yeah, it it does have this feeling of like uh, it it has that Clive Barker um, paranoia and dread, but that David Lynch style acting, and then just out of nowhere, it kind of stumbles into a book report, and <laughs> you know it could well, have been I, funny I if that's... it was just weird. <laughs> I think that's one of the issues with it is like. I mean, again, without giving too much away, so the the title Society is very much chosen as a commentary on the upper classes, the elite, the rich amongst us. And so there are uh, many rich characters within this. And our lead guy is, um, he actually believes he is their son, right? But he just feels that he's out, he's an outsider, right? Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, so... Yeah. 
So he, uh, you know, we find out later there's more to the story, but basically from the word go, this kid has always felt like an outsider in his family and within the community that they live in, which is a bunch of like rich people. And so he just feels like he doesn't belong and also that there's like something wrong with his family and he's been going to a psychiatrist. That's kind of the plot. That's kind of like what's set up. Meanwhile, there's like an old boyfriend of his sister who's been like spying on the family and trying to figure out stuff. And so that old boyfriend ends up meeting up with the brother and giving him some information. And so just you have this mystery aspect of like what's going on with the family what you know it seems like some kind of secret dealings seems like there's kind of like these weird parties there's like sexual things that are implied or outright stated and so that's kind of like what's going on but the movie is doing this in theory satirical take on the upper crust but there's not really like jokes and then it's mostly just kind of like, oh, the rich are different and bad. So it's like, like Dusty, when you say it like becomes like a, a, a rep book report or whatever. And it, it like has the, all the subtlety of a sledgehammer. Like there's nothing, it, it doesn't say anything like interesting or nuanced. So, and I'm not saying a horror movie has to, but it's, it seems like the director and writers are like reaching for like something profound while being down in the muck in every meaning of that word. Yeah. It, and it's, so, yeah, go ahead. Um, it's a, it's a weird comparison to make, but I just kept thinking of it while watching the movie. Um, Mark Merritt's character in glow, who is like a director of C to lower level movies. And they have like titles like, uh, cheerleader babes punch Nazis and things like that, but they always have to have this deep underlying context and yeah. just like this deeper over the top meaning. And that's all I could think of while watching this. It's just like, oh, that's who this character is. Is what I I just want to say that now more than ever do we need a movie like Society. <laughs> People are finally waking. It, it is up. very relevant. I will say <laughs> yeah. that. People are finally well, waking up to, uh, you know, how that society feels that they are a different strata than us. Yeah. A different uh, um, a different class of people. Yeah. A no, different no, no, no. breed, it, if it, you will. <laughs> well, and I think the tough part is if you really want to do that, the main character who's... I'm just, I'm just, just... I can't even remember his name, and I watched it today. I'm assuming his name is Billy Warlock. And the problem with Billy is that he doesn't really his have His name is, 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 is William Bill Whitney. Oh, God damn it. All right. So, yeah, the problem with Bill is that he, he doesn't exactly have a lot of struggle going on. It's just like his parents just don't like him as much as his sister. He thinks he might be adopted, but everyone in school clearly loves him. He has a brand new Jeep Laredo with a vanity plate on it that just says, oops. And... <laughs> <laughs> like clearly he's doing pretty okay and i think the, the my... hot he's, he's dating he's dating some like hot cheerleader and like then the hottest girl in school is also like yeah yeah you can get it so like yeah, yeah his life's not uh he's, he's not going too bad like all yeah. right my mom and dad are kind of weird but uh yeah even even considering the ending of this movie he's still having a better life than say 80 percent of america <laughs> he 
his big uh, his big challenge in the beginning of this movie is he wasn't invited to one party, <laughs> and the uh, and the nerdy guy like he's a football player dating a cheerleader. And the nerdy guy he's running against for student body president in high school is still saying, I'm going to beat you, even though it doesn't look like he will, because he's richer than him. And it's just that those are the stakes for Billy. Also, I I did find it hilarious that his actual name seems like a horror movie name. (laughs) And his movie name is... Seems like his real name. Yeah. And I did see that uh, his father, his real life father, played Michael Myers in one of, I think it was Halloween 2. Oh. Yeah. He played him or was the stuntman for Myers? I'm not entirely sure. But, um, but uh, yeah, like, and as far as to kind of get you, any listeners, like, in the vibe of what, I, I, I would not say the movie is doing this well. But in the vibe of what it's sort of going for, one of its inspirations, the director has said, is Rosemary's Baby. And you can definitely see that once once that's pointed out, it's like, yeah, you got like a group of people who have this kind of like secret sect. And you've got one person who's trying to figure out what the weird thing is that's going on. And they're getting like drawn into this. Now, Rosemary's Baby does it so much better um but uh but here i I can definitely see that as an influence and the other movie that i honestly wonder if this served as at least partial inspiration again the movie i'm gonna name like rosemary's baby is phenomenally better than society as a as a constructed film but i wonder if this served as some inspiration for get out because when the lead character in the last half hour starts like interacting with some of the elites and things start getting kind of revealed and they're like how they really view our lead some of it started to feel you know similar to some sequences in get out i mean they're they're, they have different goals their get outs focused not just on class but on race obviously but uh i would be amazed if jordan peele hadn't seen society just based on the horror fan that he is so I mean, That's an interesting I, observation. It's definitely a movie I'd want to watch with Jordan Peele just to see what the fuck happens. <laughs> probably be a great time. Um, but yeah, if we're talking about Secret Society of the whole thing, it'd probably be good to talk about how we even get to that plot point because it's just poor, poor Bill, Billiam Warlock is in therapy for for reasons for being a teenager, um, and he's just he's pretty sure he doesn't belong, and his sister is go into a cotillion and she's going to be coming out to society and and for some reason he's just constantly like something's not right i don't know what it is something something's weird and then yeah. and then he yeah and of course his uh, his sister's ex-boyfriend is caught um I, I i guess spying from her bathroom closet and is thrown out with the the casual ease of a shoplifter and and then that's how he finds out that there might be thing that he his uh, paranoid intuitions might be correct. The the boyfriend or her ex boyfriend definitely 
like he's caught in her room in her closet attacks her um in a you know you later kind of find out why but he's very much on top of her telling her to be quiet the brother comes in billy comes in drags him out the parents are like their response is a deadpan oh i thought you weren't going to see him anymore and she's like oh it's fine he's leaving he's leaving and all that and it's that was just an odd moment of i don't know if like you just caught this dude assaulting your sister and it was treated mostly calmly by everyone in the family and i didn't know if this was bad filmmaking and writing or if this was them trying to make part like trying to to make a statement mm -hmm. because they do heavy-handed and poorly make statements throughout the movie and that it that is something as much as i enjoy the movie it's okay, is this just badly done or are you trying to do something poorly? Yeah. Well, and especially when you are when you set this guy up as like um, a pervert at best and a rapist at worst and then suddenly like, no, this is a hero of our story. He just, <laughs> the parents were at mad because he was supposed to show up on Thursday, but they got their schedules wrong and you know how it is when you're rich. It's, yeah, it's such... Yeah, there's definitely moments like that where you, you kind of get blindsided by very weird lines from the from the upper society people. Um, and it, it, it is jarring and very weird, but that's just such a strong moment to lead off on if you're leading with that tone. Oh, yeah, because the sister's first line after the guy leaves is like, brother, please zip up my dress. And her just being like, I'm just going to lean against this piano. You know how it is. Men tackling me in the bathroom. Although that is a nice scene of just, uh, when he's zipping up her dress, it is a good, it's an early moment of things being strange because he zips it up and you see her flesh kind of pulsating and, mm. in a strange way and, um, being very like damp and wet drops of water, goo, what have you. And he zips it up and kind of freaks out by, um, at that and then it's just fine yeah and it's one of those it, it it's a good job of is he crazy or not like uh the effect was good you could it it as an effect yeah that looked like uh something nasty trying to push its way out from underneath someone's skin i could buy that um he stands back did he just uh imagine it that early in the movie you don't know uh although he does ask her about you know the dampness and she's like i just got out of the shower and it's just, yeah it, you you wouldn't be putting on your prom dress thing or your coming out party dress so there were uh, a couple other moments that stood out to me where i would like i'm watching it like what are they going for with this so I'll pitch them to you to see if either of you have any theories or if I'm missing something. But one bit, and this isn't really spoiling much, basically as the like kind of mystery is unfolding, 
one character, the uh, the like snooty, smart, rich kid. We know he's smart because he wears glasses. That kind of that's that's the level where it's Saved by the Bell rules essentially. Um, so that kid who our guy is going up against for like student council president or whatever the hell it is, that kid like is has information for him. And prior to that, the girl's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, had information. And so it's like, all right, so it's just like a detective kind of thing where it's like, all right, well, now a new person with more information, we're going to, like, propel the story. And so he's going to meet him somewhere, like, in the fucking woods or something. And then our guy gets there, and it appears as though that guy is dead. He's in a car, and it's, like, wrecked, and he's, like, bloody and appears dead. And then later they go back to the car, and he's there with, like, a cop, and it's, like, a different car's been swapped, and the guy's body's not there, and then the guy shows up at school for the debate, and he's like, I had car trouble. Um, So that happens, but, you know, eventually we find out, without revealing ending stuff, that that kid is involved with the dirty dealings that eventually happen, what was the point of any of that? Why, like, it's basically like the elites set up this weirdo side thing. Because it plays it as though the kid's going to reveal shit. Like, he he has inside information. And then they do this whole convoluted thing to just... Is it just to make the main character think he's crazy? Or make him look crazy to the authorities? Yeah, I think it's more of just, like, since it he made a public spectacle of it, it's to kind of fill in the gaps and be and to prove to the whole student body of Beverly Hills Academy that this guy's losing it. And maybe when um the twist happens, they'll be able to be like, oh, he was he was losing his mind. That's that's why things happen the way they did. That's also, my only guess. Yeah, with that, um there's the interaction with the police, which is interesting and uh, that interaction is built uh, was built upon a couple of others earlier, but with what happens directly before, directly in between that scene and actually, yeah, what happens directly between that scene and the big reveal, uh, I think that was done on purpose for uh, um, for plot reasons for their for the nefarious plot reasons, I guess. Let's come back to this. Okay, that's fine. The other one, which we may dance around a little bit, but if anyone has a a non-spoilery take on this, I don't understand Hot Girl's mom. So there's like this real sexy girl that uh, hooks up with our hero, and there's uh, some choice dialogue from her at one point that Dusty can share with us here momentarily. But uh, so she's with our hero. He's like essentially cheating on his girlfriend and then they break up and then he's like still seeing like new girl and stuff. But this girl has a mom who like, I I actually don't know. Let me look. Uh, okay. So it, it the, the mom is played by a woman. But I think they try to make the mom have some, like, mannish traits. And she might kind of, like, grunt and stuff at times. I I, I don't know. They did her up in a way that seemed like they were trying to make her look more masculine. But she acts almost like a a brain-dead zombie. 
and she also like is obsessed with hair and she's like coughing up hair like hairballs like a cat and then her daughter is like just doesn't want anything to do with her and is like insulting of her which understandable her mom's fucking weird but they present it like that they have this like negative relationship and then the mom comes back into it later and is like somewhat involved in the plot slash rescue of later stuff i never understood what the stuff was with the mom my best guess again without going too revealing is there stuff about the elites later and that maybe that the mom is like defective like there's something wrong with her as one of them something happened but we get no other information we don't we are nobody there's never a line of like oh well what happened to harriet will happen to you like nothing so i i don't yeah. get what they're going for with that so that's mrs carolyn the other one the the daughter is clarissa carolyn yeah. mrs carolyn uh yeah when she first shows up she's um on the beach he runs into her she just crunched um Apparently she was just a background character in Police Academy too, uh, but she. A friend of mine pointed it out um, in a good way, which is basically, yes, there's something wrong with her. Maybe it happened uh, later on, maybe not. But she is still part of the society, and the society protects and keeps their own. So hmm. even though, like her daughter treats her or argues with her and uh, treats her in a way later on, she is still very much a part of that rich society, living in a mansion, um, part of the huge party that happens later. Um, and so, at least, that's an idea. She is okay. She is born into the society, so despite anything else, she will always be a part of that society. They even imply that she does things... Uh, they imply that she does things at night with people um, at one point, but none of that matters. She is still part of the society. Hmm. Yeah, I think if we're talking about things that are that are wrong with her, there are definitely... Um, I, I definitely feel free to cut this out if this spoils too much, but I think there's some uh, some Habsburgian things that are going on with these, uh, these folks. And okay. uh, perhaps right. she was just like a genetic shrapnel... That just did not end up working out. Um, but also, I think there, there are definitely... Genetic shrapnel. Excellent band. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, we have a, a very wonderful metal font. It's great. Um, They're but, playing at Riot Fest this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's watching it. There is a moment where it's just like, oh, great, 80s fat phobia is back. Let's see what the fuck happens here. And... It's. I mean, they just take every odd choice with this character, and if you got rid of her, I don't think anything would really change. It's. No. It's just such an odd choice to be like. She. she she's in she, this. Uh, and that's how it is. She do. She ends up, like helping. I mean, she's almost presented like a pet. Like there's, oh, there's a level of where she's almost like a dog, like a like a a, a pet of these people or whatever. But and then she ends up helping in a very trope type way, uh-huh. like other, other like horror movies and other types of movies where, oh, well now she's on our side. She's turned because she attacks this cop that helps 
one of the key characters like get into this mansion and so like helps propel the like saving of um yeah. closest comparison i can think of is like uh i mean there's other ones but like off the top of my head like in monster squad like how frankenstein is one of the evil ones but then he turns and is like now part of the monster squad and helping and so like there's like a similar kind of vibe of they do that but again this character is so ill-defined and confusing that none of it's really successful yeah her eye makeup's really good though she's um it is so is the hair but she's almost a moose character but um they gave her even less intelligence and even less character than moose from uh archie she is uh monosyllabic at best and there is definitely a a couple of sickum moments and she runs and attacks Strictly because someone she has no actual relationship points at someone else and goes, go. Which, yeah, yeah there's, I would want, <laughs> there is at once a whole lot to unpack there and absolutely nothing actually there. Like mm-hmm. they, the, they're, they're, no thought was brought to this. It was just, we're taking some negative tropes from the time period and bundling them up in a nice, uh, a nice late 80s uh, teased out hair, purple and blue eye makeup uh, bow. Yeah, and I think even if you want to make the argument, uh, or if the, the filmmaker was making the argument that once you're in the society, you're in the society no matter what, all you got to do is look at the Kennedys to see that that's not true. Uh, I mean, they're, they're still rich, Dusty. <laughs> I, I know, but I just a number of Kennedys did not have to get the chance to enjoy society in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> All right, yeah, sure. Uh, whole other discussion, but uh, yeah. understood. That was a history Point podcast understood. now. <laughs> so, uh, Dusty, would you like to share with us what I think is probably your uh, favorite line from the film? With, oh, my uh, God, there were so with many. Our, with our so... hot girl who is Clarissa uh, Carlin. So Clarissa had at least two lines that... I think what that succeeded in the way that I think the earlier line of like, oh, my assaulting ex-boyfriend, how they wanted that to play that she nailed Uh, when the um, when the nerdy book McSmartman is found is found uh, dead in the in the woods. And our hero, Billy Warlock, runs to her house and he's like, I found him. He's dead. And she's, oh, I hope the poor deer didn't make a mess. Just like not even caring. (laughs) Just. And he just walks right by because he's so distraught. But after, I can't remember if this was after the first first time they had sex or the second. It was after the first. I think it's, it's okay. Or maybe it was the second, yeah. yeah. Um, she, she brings him um, a cup of coffee, which is very considerate and very kind. Shows their love. I think it's tea, isn't it? I oh, it, it might have been tea, yeah. And she I asks, was, how do you like your tea? You are correct. You are correct. Brings him a cup of tea, which is very considerate and very shows a great example of their love and asks him, uh, would you like sugar, milk? Do you want me to pee in it? And then she just stands there waiting. It, like, it was just such an honest question that makes me wonder. I mean, we'll get to this later, but... And then he just responds, you're a class act, Clarissa. And I just wanted them to get married right there. It was such, it was such a weird 
weird kind of beautiful moment where it's like, you have said this strange thing to me, and I accept you. Yeah, Clarissa just says that and then doesn't explain it at all. Yes, she's literally, like, holding the cup at, like, waist height, just like, just say the word, man. I left it half empty, we're good. Um, I mean, we may as well go into, uh, uh, go into that a little bit. The, from early on in the movie, uh, there's a lot of sexually charged language, um, Mm -hmm. and deviant sexually charged language in between, uh, Billy's sister and his parents. Um, and that, like, all the stuff going on with the teenagers, alright, that's fair, except for the, uh, water sports a bit there. It's like, oh, okay, they're, they're rich-ass teenagers. That's how rich-ass teenagers live. Um, and there's a little bit of, is this how rich-ass people live? Um, and, like, a big, like, from the tape he gets, uh, and all of that, uh, I was getting big, um... Uh, to mention the Kennedys thing, the, uh, also the, all those, uh, conspiracy theories about the royal family being, um, you know, the royal family in Britain being, uh, incestuous, uh, alien lizard people who, like, uh, you know, which is a horrible... You say that like it's crazy to be. Yeah. Look, I've seen them blink sideways, man. How to explain that? Yeah, but no, that's the thing. It's just, uh, and that's why uh, what uh, that's why what's her face got killed because she found out. Yep, that's Princess why they I forgot Princess Di's name. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's 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 okay. That happens. Um, but yeah, no, 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 no. It it it. The movie very much is trying to play with the uh, with the expectation that people might have. That the ultra rich old money folk, and um, like not not nouveau rich, I would say, like all of these people are part of a long standing, yeah, society that uh, are into weird shit, and you you know you 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 go ew, but you don't go. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, like especially. Oh yeah, like when uh, he gets the tape from uh, uh, from his sister's ex boyfriend. Say David, I think that his name is David or Doug. None of these characters are important enough for us David. to remember their names. It's fine. Let's keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is a Chinatown. We can just. Just keep cycling. Yeah, that's through. True. Ex-boyfriend works well. That's yeah. So basically, uh, just to recap, the ex-boyfriend at one point does show up. It turns out he's been recording the family. Shows up, gives uh, Billy a, a tape, right? Yeah. Okay. It's um. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I when he does that, I wasn't. It's not surprising that they're going with a... His parents and his sister are having sexy time with each other. It's not surprising that they're saying, 
there's an order and she should be having sex with the uh, with the incredibly well-connected judge or with the popular guy who hasn't invited Billy to his party. Can we stress how important it is that Billy needs to go to this party, though? Look, his relationship like, depends on it. His, I mean, that that's how he's going to get to fuck the judge, so... <laughs> <laughs> but, although part of this is um, had me confused, because all of this is in the lead-up to a coming-out party of hers that Billy doesn't go to. Yeah. But that's not the party he's missing. I'm right, just... it, it's, it gets convoluted of like, well, wait, there's two parties, and he's not invited to one, but presumably is invited to the other, but yeah, it, it's it's just like unnecessarily messy. Like, why why have it that? Why, why don't you just have one fucking party, and the family's like, oh, you can't go to this for whatever reason. Like, you know, the, the oldest son never goes, or, you know, whatever the fuck they want to come up with. Yeah. At first, I thought that the coming out party was going to be the later on party like after the high school party and then i realized oh no it's already happened and now yeah. i'm very confused there's too many parties yep yes now there's two parties and it's still somehow too many there's and three technically parties. three like, there, yeah there's three because of the the end oh right 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 <laughs> i um, mean i think but... you would have to classify the end as a party i don't know what else it would be other than a shunting which we will talk about shortly I mean, I've been to all three of those kinds of parties, and that end party, it's the best of the bunch. Yeah. I mean, before we dive into the shunting, I will, I will say, too, with the, um, if, if we're talking about the, uh, the advantages of having bad actors, uh, a long theory I have is that bad actors are incapable of acting different or portraying familial love and romantic love in different ways. They just always come across the same way. And so in this, it just kind of, it's hard to tell if it's on purpose or if it's bad acting. And it just kind of fucks with you like that. And I don't think it's on purpose, but it still works I, really I, well. No, I, I think, I think it's, I think they're in on it on that aspect because there's definitely an incestuous thread that is being pushed. And Billy is reacting to that based on the tape. And then once we get to the end, there's a full-on incestuous aspect, but not even just with his family. There's other things that happen that you could certainly argue are incestuous, at least metaphorically, if not in reality. So, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 text, Dusty. Uh, it's, yeah, it's there. Yeah, I'm just, no saying, I'm just saying it works. <laughs> um, I will say this for them. The uh, parents did a wonderful job in uh, showing... Raising those two beautiful children. <laughs> yes. But in showing their disinterest towards him, uh, while they're judging the slugs, the crop of slugs, and he comes up and talks to them, the way they barely pay attention to him, barely look at him with just the slightest bit of recognition that he's even there just annoyed the annoyance in their eyes that their son is talking to him to them it, it just that's how i feel sometimes when other people are talking to me and i don't care about them so i i really felt that billy do you have okay. to it's slug time 
All right. So uh, <laughs> with the discussion of slug time and uh, David's uh, casual indifference to the rest of humanity, <laughs> I think it's a good uh, good point to go into the shunting. Oh, so uh, all gloves are off now. So Ugh. the shunting, the shunting is a term that is used. Uh, two two things are are said kind of throughout the movie. I mean, uh, this this comes in like in like I said look back half hour maybe it's mentioned before but the term shunting or to shunt is used several times without really any explanation other than it's kind of this big uh, event for these people um and then uh they also use the term society a lot throughout the film of like you'll do great things for society and uh and it's played kind of two ways like the the first the surface layer is supposed to be that you know, you're, you're going to go out into society, you know, you're going to like do amazing things in your life. Um, but the other implication is that society is sort of the informal name that this group has given themselves. Um, and so what, uh, well, so I'll, I'll say this, this is, uh, this came up, I think it was like in the trivia or something. So in medicine, a shunt is a hole or a small passage which moves or allows movement of fluid from one part of the body to another. The term may describe either congenital or acquired shunts, and acquired shunts, parentheses, sometimes referred to as iatrogenic shunts, may be either biological or mechanical. So again, like we've got like a hole and like fluid transporting from one place to another in the body. So somewhere the director and or writer came across this term and decided to use it. I will say it's apt based on what we see, uh, based on some of what we witness, but uh, I will, uh, I'll, I'll hold back. I mean, we're going into it. I don't want to be the one to reveal this. So Dusty, yeah. since this is your first viewing of society, yeah. uh-huh. would you guide, would you guide us through uh, kind of uh, some of the events that transpire. Uh, the, the the setup is Billy has gone to some big mansion. I think it's might be his parents back to his parents' home. Yeah, it's his parents' home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so he's back to his parents' home, and there's this big thing happening where like a bunch of members of the community, including the judge, are there, and Billy's psychiatrist, who we've seen throughout the film, and other people we've never seen before, and mm-hmm. some of the like kids from school so the the hot girls there the smart kids there and then there's other just randos who we've never seen before yeah so there's like a, a sizable amount of people at the home for some kind of gathering and yeah it's a true up. event and dusty take it away all right so it's it's a big old gala event they got they got canapes they got everyone's dressed to the nines chairs are in places um and, the, you know, there's a giant animal control hook around Billy's neck to hold him in place because he's the guest of honor, apparently, along with a uh, rapey ex-boyfriend. Um, and rapey ex-boyfriend is bought, brought in. It's been assumed that he's dead, but he's not. And they, they bring him into a room. He gets surrounded by all the various guests as some are undressing to about underwear for the most part. Um, someone dumps a bucket of lube on top of him 
Uh, there's a lot of writhing and a lot of touching, and uh, for for a dude who assaulted his girlfriend, he is very not into it, which is, you know, that is a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A Dante's Inferno moment of, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm getting very uh, college paper into this now, but they're just like touching him, and then all of a sudden you start to realize um, the skin from faces are sticking onto him, and hands are pushing into his body, and all of a sudden it turns into what I can only describe as a flesh golem fuck orgy. <laughs> um. <laughs> I made the right choice in having you do this. Go on, Dusty. Yeah, and um, I should note, he does not die early. He does not. He's there for all of it. Hands are going in, and he is not having a good time. Um, eventually, the judge, who appears to be the patriarch of this uh, fleshy mass, uh, walks up to him um, and um, says a, a wonderful one-liner, saying, it's time to get to the bottom of this, and then punches his butt to the point that a hand goes all the way up through his body, a finger comes out of his mouth, and then the party starts. The judge goes ass to mouth, as Dusty says here. Yes. Um, that's, first of all, that's I not know. what ass to mouth means. <laughs> I was making a pun, David. <laughs> Second of all, he doesn't punch. It is an aggressive fisting. <laughs> Which is kind of, I mean, it's not like he went in duck hand first. That's <laughs> that's a joke for a few people. <laughs> so, yes, so yeah. that happens. As Dusty was mentioning, like, the, the people are no longer people at this point. Yeah. They are... Several of the people are, like, their mouths have, like, attached and stretched out in this very 80s gore effect, the thing kind of way, where, like, their whole face and body is becoming distorted. At some point, maybe a couple points during the movie, but definitely, like, right before this, they talk about kind of, like, the rich, and this is their terminology in the film, like, sucking off the poor. Uh, they didn't you mean it in the way that it could sound but they mean it more of like just kind of like feasting on the poor and so like the idea as presented in the film is that there's essentially like draining this guy of nutrients because mm -hmm. they're not like biting him they're not chewing him up they're not eating his body parts but they're basically like melding with his body to kind of like drain him and then the judge does that other people are like morphine and the morphine only continues from there so we can uh, delve into further aspects yeah. david i think you've probably got some things to say on the shunting it's so plot wise i like that they uh you know they have this society has faked the death of now two kids because um they you know because uh what's his face the son billy is um, pronounced dead at, at a hospital earlier um, when they basically have him kidnapped over there. Well, three so, kids, really, because they fake the death oh, of a yeah. smart kid. Yeah, so like this society is all-powerful. We're already there at that. We've been... Uh, we've gotten hints at... Um, Carol... Let's see. 
hints at uh, Clarissa. Um, we see her a couple of times where she's positioned unnaturally. There's the wonderful shower scene with the sister where um, through the frosted glass you see that she is twisted around so that you see both butt and boobs at once. Uh, an artistic choice that was made for this movie. Um, but so I, I like that they set up the weird shape shifting thing well, like throughout this movie somehow. Um, yeah. uh, the, the setup of effects is the uh, best. I would say that, that the way their mouths looked almost rectal, mm-hmm. almost, almost like a prolapsed rectum. As they pulled away from it's, young it's David's out. body, it's stre- their face is stretched out almost like an anteater to give you yes. an image. Yes, yeah. Picture an anteater and a butthole combined in, in, in as David often does. <laughs> and and um, honestly, though, the amount of lube and sweat in these scenes felt yeah. really honest to me. But no, 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 really, it's, it's the, the amount of lube and sweat they used uh, really gives it another level of ickiness. Well, especially because there is not an ounce of blood to be seen in the whole scene. Yes, this, the entire, there is no gore. Uh, even, when, even when he shunts his hand through David's body mm-hmm. and David's face starts coming off, there is not even a little bit of blood. They are consuming this and they even refer to it as a feast. They refer to it as a feast. They, um, basically they even say that Billy is the main course, but they're gonna get to have David first. And it's a two for one, and they're very excited about this. This is obviously a ritual that they do fairly often. Um, Billy is uh, cited as special because he was raised by some of them specifically for this, and he is indeed adopted. He's uh, a free-range shunt. Yes. <laughs> and his, oh, and uh, the mouth effect on uh, the psychiatrist. Ooh, yeah. Where yeah. he has a permanent grin uh, that's kind of, um, that the edges are cut open a little bit. It's uh, very much Jack Nicholson Joker meets mm-hmm. Heath Leather, Ledger Joker in 1989. So this would yeah. have been... Uh, this movie was probably being filmed at the same time as uh, Batman 89. So yeah. It, 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 it's not a copy or anything like that. It's just a really good effect that they uh, probably came to it around the same time. Yeah. And, I mean, I just could... There's a lot to look at on that screen, and I well, kept looking at that man's mouth. Yeah. After all, David, we live in a society, <laughs> so that's important to remember. Um, but on the on the blood on the blood thing you mentioned, so that's one of the trivia bits that. Uh, so it said that while filming the shunting scenes, Brian Usna purposely avoided using any blood, fearing backlash from the MPAA. So he figured, <laughs> well, I can get some of this through. And we'll just not have any gore, which I would argue 
makes the scene worse. Oh, I think it's I think I think the or scenes because it's it's 30 it's 30 minutes of this. Basically, there's 30 minutes of escalation and different things happening of weirdness. But I think if there was like I think if they were tearing this guy apart and eating him like the zombies in Day of the Dead, which is very similar to that in like kind of the the structure of it and like the way it's shot, like where that soldier, like the evil soldier guy is like getting torn apart by zombies. Like, yeah, it would work. There'd be good gore effects, but we've seen that so many other times. And even if you did it well, it's kind of like, okay, you're one of the 10 best that's done that. But society, like they're doing something else. Like they're, this is a different thing. So it's disturbing in a different way. Mm-hmm. So they're, they, they, they are going, they are taking a hard turn into horny. Like uh-huh. the, the last half hour of this movie is, is like their consumption of the David character is even portrayed as less, uh, less eating like a zombie and more um, more sensual which is so much worse yeah it's more of a celebration yeah Yeah, it it, 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 it's it's like a turkey it's like a Thanksgiving turkey Uh, that's the way it looks that's the way it feels and uh, only, only add sex into that so oh no and one of and and there's no like penetration or anything. You never actually see anyone like having as far as him having sex. Uh, there's more implied stuff with some of the other characters. But someone mentioned earlier, maybe Dusty, of like they're like penetrating his body, you know, like with hands and stuff in different ways. But one of the first shots you see, so like somebody said, like that there's like they poured lube. I don't know that it's necessarily lube. So much of it's like. I think it might be some kind of like specialized substance that they use. That's not just lube because there's an early shot where one, and maybe this is just how these things operate similar to like the thing in, you know, in the thing, how it, it can do different stuff. And, um, but they like slide their fingers into a butt cheek, which I think is his, but it could just be one of the other people's at the party. It's like, you don't really know which i mean it's like it's he's on the ground so i don't know if it's supposed to be his but anyway regardless that happens where like fit they they have some kind of substance of a fake ass and they have fingers like sliding into it um and it's you know again no blood or anything it's just highly disturbing and weird um but all right, so that's kind of like what kickstarts it. But let's yeah. talk about some of our other crazy effects moments. Or Dusty, you got something? I, I just want to say before I forget, probably my favorite thing is the one maid who's just walking around collecting gowns and jackets, just walking around like, hey, it's a living. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, throughout this scene, you have her. You have uh, the valets out front. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the police officers who are out front and at one point inside, and none of them bat an eye. Yeah. Um, Which at least implies that they've been doing this for enough time to desensitize themselves. Yeah. Well, see, they'd all, they'd all been given the password of Fidelio, so they were uh, in on it. Yeah. 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 Well, that was an yeah. Eyes Wide Shut reference. <laughs> <laughs> you Philistines. As I said before, that's a joke for a few people. <laughs> But no, like, 
it all goes back to how this society, I mean, they're a secret society, but to fake the deaths, to, uh, to prime certain people for, uh, uh, for their gala, for even, you know, serving the food, serve it clean, clean up, because you know none of these rich assholes is going to clean up the load that's left over. Absolutely. Uh, they not. might like, they might lick it up. It might be part of the shunting, the post shunting. That's the best part. That's the sweetest plum. No, orgy. <laughs> nobody wants to. Nobody wants to do orgy cleanup. Guys, I but, swear to God, if this is not cleaned up before Stanley Steamer gets here, we are never having the shunting at my house ever again. Oh God! Remember, put away the nice Persian. Guys, can we okay, please just we... do this on the hardwood floors next time? Yes. <laughs> Hide the mink stole, okay? <laughs> you don't want to know where it gets. Uh, <laughs> All right, so... But, uh... no, but no, 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 um, it, it's... I think that it does a good job of uh, showing that um, there are people that are not part of the society that help uh, uphold and support the society. Yeah. In society. Topical. Society. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're into the effects here. So I definitely want to to dive into that. Because, like, I mean, my note on this is, like, God, those effects. Because they are truly special. Uh, if you good. can if you can stomach them, they are truly special. Which kind of on that note, um, so uh, Tim Bartell's acting during his shunting death, which we'll talk about coming up, was so disturbing that director Brian Usna had to scale it back in editing to make it less intense. So uh, so even Usna was like, ah, some of this uh, we might want to pull back on. But yeah, let's uh, let's talk a bit about some of the other crazy shit we see during this. It's a, basically a thirty-minute sequence. There's some cutaways to stuff outside, but much of it in that thirty minutes, and it's basically like a full thirty minutes. It's like once it hits like an hour ten, it's from there on to the end of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, what else we got? Throw out some crazy moments. I mean, I think we got to bring up the fight between Billy and Ted the Tycoon, where Billy swallowed his doubt turned him inside out and found nothing but faith in nothing (laughs) that was a wonderful climax in the middle of the orgy scene yeah yeah it was oh my god fuck off yeah it's i think yeah Yeah, we get we get we get we get two fistings two up to the head and yeah. this time the guy is pulled inside out like a reversible jacket. Yeah. Which even in my head is like, did that actually kill him? Because it's, it's no, he, he's still kind of wiggling there. Yeah, I mean, is is the and he's full yeah. of worms too. Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, there are so many things where the rules about this um, this uh, colony of flesh people of how of how they work that's very clear and then stuff like that where it's like can they be defeated can they actually be killed um with do they decide because he's like punching billy the whole fucking time he's like at any point you could just punch inside his stomach and win like 
it's, I don't know why you're holding back. Are you just playing with your food? What is this? Yeah, during the during. I that think it's fight. part of the show. I think ah, it's yeah, playing it up. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the the effect of turning that dude inside out was shocking and weird. It was really weird to watch that and be like, yeah, I believe that effect. I believe what just happened. Part of it is because Billy doesn't reach up into him. He forces Ted to reach up through his own taint. Oh my god, you're right. Oh, I didn't Yeah, know yeah, that. he... Oh yeah, he grabs Ted's hand when he uh, goes to punch him, stretches it, and puts it up Ted from the front side. So it's either a urethral or an... <laughs> I, I've given this a lot of thought. <laughs> and... He lets his arm travel through while holding Ted's arm. And that's and then he pulls him out. Uh, he uses Ted's own arm to pull him out um, inside out. Um, which shocks, but I would say it doesn't quite horrify everybody else, yeah. which I like. Yeah, a lot of people are just like, oh man, not again. <laughs> well, the I mean, we're skipping a little bit, but the very end of the movie... Is... Well, yeah, let's 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 come oh, yeah. back to that because I there's a couple things I want to address on that. Okay. Um, but yeah, we've got some other uh, effects things to address. But I will say I'll throw out there for anyone listening that uh, is unaware. So, like at some point, Billy says to the judge or the doctor or something about like them being aliens, like you you sicko aliens. He just jumps to the idea that they're aliens, and this is an area where I think that the movie takes an interesting angle on it. Because it easily could be. They could just be some aliens from beyond the stars and that they've, you know, they're like creepy monsters or whatever. But they say that, no, they've been here longer than humans. They've been on Earth for like, you know, as long as they have. And so the implication is that they're like a separate race that have uh, like evolved alongside humans. And the way they operate, since they're basically like they can morph as we've discussed they can we see some of them like full-on stretched out bodies we talked about the stretched out mouth but later we see just like arms and legs stretched out and their whole bodies are like in these masses and things so it's like one of them looks like pizza the hut from uh from space balls so like they're just like whole Mm. and uh there's a the doctor character at one point changes his head into like a fist like just out of it basically out of like a visual joke but he has the ability to do that and then a scene later he's back to grinning joker face so they have this like shape-shifting ability they can like morph their flesh it's not shape-shifting like like a you know magician a mage or anything like it's like sudden it's like they're able to like stretch and contort and become these other things but yeah so the the idea is that i i I mean, if you want to fan theory it, they're like, it's like they're sentient humanoid amoebas or something, or like primordial ooze that has become in a humanoid shape and they can morph and change. The, um, there's that moment where, uh, the judge looks at David, the first sacrifice human, and is like, oh, a beauty mark. And then a little bit later, there is a just sea of flesh, just writhing. It's all one mass of flesh. 
people, someone bites an eye out of the uh, mound of flesh, passes it to someone else who is half in the mound of flesh, to their mouth, and they pass it back into a different spot in that mound of flesh, which is might be the best 10 seconds of uh, video ever put to film. But at the end of all that, when they separate out into their individual cells, which is a great effect, you see the uh, flesh mound sinking down lower out of camera as more people walk out of it. And then the, uh, and then the judge comes out and he realizes he has that beauty mark. So yeah. now they have completely consumed and he has actually taken the beauty mark from his uh, victim. Yeah. And now yeah, it's, no, yeah, it's part of it, his flesh. All of that, all of that was just beautifully done. Um, oh, also the mother and daughter at that point are now one being. Like at first you think it's just the mom with, with, with arms for legs, but then the daughter's face comes out and says to Billy, if you have any Oedipal fantasies, now's your chance. There's one other key moment when uh, when his family is uh, they're off on their in their own bedroom having an incestual um, uh, I, I don't know uh, moment we'll say um, so they're they're <laughs> off together and so yeah the the mother and daughter have melded into some kind of thing which is actually one of the only effects I don't really like because it's so obviously fake. Um, the, like they have, they have like a fake mom head that's so apparently like mm -hmm. made out of rubber and shit. It, like there are ways that you could have gotten the real actress to be on some weird fucking thing, and so you got had her head. But so it's like they have somebody in some kind of weird suit, and they're like walking on their hands, or they have their hands and and feet, in, or they they have feet and hand suits, like some some weird thing. I don't know what it is. But the effect is like okay, it sells it. But you know, you've seen better for that kind of stuff. But then there's one key moment um, where earlier Billy had angrily called his father a butthead, and so we get this moment. Anyone? He pulls off the sheet, and there's a pair of legs, a couple of nice firm butt cheeks. And right there in the center is his father's face. And he, uh, I believe he says, uh, so I guess I am a butthead. And then maniacally laughs, gleefully laughs, I guess. So Dusty, of these moments, what, what grabbed you or horrified you the most? Man, I, I mean, if a uh, thing that actually amused me, I think, was just the absolute glee that the actor playing the dad had when he was making the butt sounds when he was a butthead. <laughs> it's just like, that's either improvised or he'd been looking forward to that for weeks. Just like, this entire shoot's going to be worth it just for this moment. I'm going to put it on my demo <laughs> reel. It's going to be great. But I, I think if we're talking about things that actually horrified me, it's just the the just how protracted the death of David was. It's like, it's not like he was a likable character and it would have been far worse if he was. Well, like, here's, here's the thing though. I, Cause you kind of classified it like he was attacking the girl. And yeah, I know but, in context, but, but I, I, 
I yeah, I mean, really, he's like attacking. He, he's he's a he's trying to like not be discovered. And obviously, at the time, you don't know what's happening. But realistically, he's like trying to stop these swamp monsters from like eating everyone in town. So, I mean, so yeah, they they um, yeah, they. I mean, they never like make that character into be anything negative. It's just earlier in the movie, you don't know yeah. what he's doing, and then later you find out, you know he's going against these fucking monster people. So I would say his death is sympathetic. Like I, I, am not like, I'm not like, ah, he, it's not, he doesn't deserve it the way the guy in day of the dead deserves what happens to him. I think this is one of those situations where they start off, uh, introducing us to the character as, uh, in a scene in which he is attacking, uh, young woman who we do not know is a part of the evil secret society so we're like it's established him bad her good and then we get to see that she's part of the evil plot but we only get really one or two scenes of him being uh the conspiracy theorists oh man no no no! you've got to believe me it's really this and we don't get the chance to we don't get the chance to get to know the character and come back from uh where they start us off from like mm-hmm. intellectually we do but you know emotionally i'm not attached right. to this guy. Yeah. yeah i'm not attached to him at all if i had been attached like uh dusty had mentioned if we had been given more time with him and become attached with him then that final a good 15 20 of that 30 minutes is him torturously being destroyed um in a sea of flesh and lube um i think that yeah as dusty said that would be even worse as it is he's just a guy we haven't seen in over half an hour and it's like oh he's still alive oh oh no and then it's still horrible oh he's still alive yeah. yeah, like yeah, and it's it just the fact that it still works. I speaks I think speaks to how well it's done, and how genuinely horrifying it is. Oh, and the shunting effect was so good, so fucking good. It's it's just a minefield of shit that should not have worked that worked so fucking well. Like I said, my favorite my favorite moment was the eyeball. Just mm-hmm. it, it it's quiet. It's almost in the background. It's happening on the lower right side up to the upper right side of the screen while other things are happening in the center. Um, but it's, it's, it really brings across the mutability of their form. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so as far as the ending goes, uh, there, there's the our lead attacks the you know kind of like rich yuppie kid and and pulls him inside out, makes him inside out boy. And then what I don't understand, another moment from the ending is the society people are like kind of shocked and horrified, and there's this like you won't get away with this, and then he punches his dad, and like he and his friend. And the sexy girl who has decided she loves him and is turning her back on the society at large, they like run off into the night together. But I, it's just another like writing moment where as great as that 30 minute stretch is, 
Like, I don't know what you're really going for there because one, you're de the metaphors you're working with of this like evil secret society, super rich people and everything. It's like, well, realistically, he doesn't get away. I mean, that's what that's what reality is of if you were going up against a group that's this like not just this powerful monetarily and then add on top of it that they're fucking like shape-shifting monsters but then i just didn't get they just there's like 30 40 people in that room and they just let him go and my question is like does nobody own a gun like i mean they should be able to just murder him just with their forms but like they don't have like any kind of weapon to hold him there or anything and it, it all plays very like we'll get you next time gadget next time like it's just this weird like okay and then the movie fizzles and is over yeah i think it would have been better if one of them just said you're lucky i'm full <laughs> Yeah, there was like another moment where he escapes to go upstairs where he finds his 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 family doing the the I don't know, the the horizontal species change. And there's like a moment where clearly about a dozen people could get him and all they do is just kind of shoo him upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where there are definitely ideas at play, but the director kept forgetting that there are at least 50 people in this house against 3. The non-Euclidean mambo? Yeah, there we go. That's the that's the term I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, yes. Him going up the stairs, uh, more people should have gone after him, I suppose. Uh, I mean, his therapist does. Yeah. But, so Ted the, uh, Ted the ty tycoon, he, um, the judge looks at him and offers him a uh, internship in DC at the very beginning of the uh, of of the Cronenbergian uh, craziness and the, the, the entire movie ends with Ted being turned inside out Billy uh, Clarissa and Milo having gotten out and then all it is is lube and juice covered judge puts the cigar back up to his face because he has not lost that cigar no. he he stuck a cigar holding hand through the body of a young man and kept the cigar i mean to be throughout this are you gonna put out a half smoked cuban cigar no oh, you're no. not i no. mean but, i i took it that he had some practice <laughs> yeah, but at the end there, I I so the society has just lost their uh, their feast. the The person who was supposed to be their main feast did it kill them? Did it uh, was it? Oh no, the time has passed because it's dawn now, and now we're all going to die, like or grow old or something like at the end of Once Bitten. No, nothing like that. It's just he takes a puff off of his cigar. Looks to uh, the uh, psychiatrist uh, who's next to him and goes, "Looks like we're gonna have an opening in D.C. this summer." Just jokes about just jokes about Ted, the uh, mm -hmm. you know their rising star yeah. being dead now, and Billy leaving. And I felt that this movie tried to end on a note of the society always wins. Okay. 
Yeah. No matter what, no matter what losses they may personally have, they're always going to win. They're always going to be there. Like, Billy got away, but that doesn't affect them at all. Because the last scene is just the judge smoking. Uh, which I think is a great way to end this movie. And I think it would have carried more weight had it been a better movie. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I'm, I'm cool with that as, like, an idea and as a message for, like, a final note. But I think it's just hindered by how Billy essentially just walks out the door and none of the people even try. And, I mean, you know, and there's ways, there's easy ways to solve that. You have him and the friend and the girl, like, have fucking weapons and they're holding them off in, like, a From Dust Till Dawn way. Or you have Billy lights a fucking torch and they're, like, backing away and, like, maybe their flesh starts to melt and so they're worried about that. Or the girl who is on his side, who's one of these creatures, she does some fucking thing that protects like there's so many ways that you can wrap effects into it or or weapons for the plot where it's like okay i plausibly believe why he got away but yeah i mean it's essentially just like they've got they went to the links of they adopted a kid to raise him for like 18 years (laughs) to be a special to be a special feast basically he's like an aged wine like that's how they present it like that this is this big special deal and then at like the first sign of trouble, they just let him walk away. And it's like, no, these people would not do that. They would just like fucking attack him. So I that's that's my only issue is like I'm fine with him getting away. If he died, that would be bleak and fitting. It's just the movie just like I said, fizzles of it's just like, oh, I don't know, our hero he gets away and da, da, da. and so it's disappointing in that regard for me. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> It's a it's a real bummer, but you know you can't stop the credits; they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> Which they do play. Uh, they play a song at the beginning, at the end of the credits, which is a uh, like a cover and reworking of a song called the Eaton Boating Song, which is like a British school children song for rich kids, basically. And so, uh, look up the Society theme song. And uh, they, you know, they got some kind of like faux opera singer or something to sing it, and uh, I ripped it from the film to uh, to keep for my future uh, Halloween listening. Nice. Uh, but uh, all right, yeah. So some other stray notes here. Um, so when shooting the infamous shunting scenes, Brian Usna would put a sign on the soundstage door that read, "Quote: Abandon all hope, ye who enter here," which seems fitting. Uh, Yuzna also said uh, so he cited that the film's mix of paranoia, black humor, satire and gore as alienating mainstream audiences you think? <laughs> maybe <laughs> um, and then the other like little bit of trivia is that originally it was going to be like just sort of like a secret society cult that was just going to sacrifice Billy so um, I guess like a wicker man kind of resolution in the end but they wanted to uh, like wanted a more fantastic revelation at the end. So um, that's when Screaming Mad George came up with the idea of the society being monstrous creatures that ate the lower classes, which is a solid angle. Screaming Mad George knew what he was do- talking about. So, all right. Uh, any other things we want to throw out here before we wrap up on society? Any stray thoughts or weird bits or anything? 
how many days worth of debate was occurring for the student body president race? <laughs> it seemed to be at least two, which is we see. Well, they they had to have multiple debates, obviously, <laughs> you know, so the American people could like truly decide. Yeah. We see two debates. I'm going to say there had to be at least three. Yeah, two debates is weird. One or three makes sense. I also like that the football player dating the cheerleader character is not the front runner. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine Ted's busy. He's he's got other shit going on. Hey, he's got shuntings to go to. Yeah, he's got a roundhouse kick school after uh, practice. (laughs) Oh my god, Ted's roundhouse kick was amazing. <laughs> like, um, yeah, the movie could have ended that, with that. <laughs> just During that fight scene, he roundhouse kicks, he's wearing uh, just his uh, button-down white shirt and uh, his tidy whities And I'm glad he was wearing the tidy whities because if he wasn't, it would have just been insulting to Billy. <laughs> like but it it that was such a really really done fight scene yeah Can't really, it, all right so would we recommend society i knew you were gonna ask that i've been trying to think I, the I, 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 always ask that. I know i know and i still man i'd recommend it to david <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I honestly don't know. I mean, I can maybe think of one or two people I'd recommend it to just because I know the horror movies they've seen. Like, if you've laughed your ass off at Glenn Danzig's attempt at horror, then yeah, this is probably going to be a good one for you. When we watched it in uh, my yard, I'm not even the one who suggested it. (laughs) I was all ready to queue up uh, Death Race 2000. Ooh. Mm -hmm. A classic. And uh, one of my friends, she she was like, how about society instead? And I was like, oh, okay, good choice. Um, so, Which it, you, you already had the file, or did you have a Blu-ray? Do you have it? or No, it's available streaming on uh, Shutter. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, so um, I have the file, or I had the file of Death Race. That's not available anywhere. But it, it's... With the crew I run with, they've already seen it and they love it. Well, you said several people like left or or, or okay. stepped away, and were were any of those people newbies to it, or were some of them like people who've seen it but were still like, I can't do this again? No, okay, those people were totally new to the movie. Um, they're not quite as big into horror as uh, the rest of the group that was there. But uh, this is this is a horror fans movie. Mm -hmm. It's someone who's in in deep is going to be is going to go hard for society. Yeah. Yeah. That's the weird thing. like I'm not mad that I saw it. There's there's plenty of things that I'm really glad that I know exist just because a lot of hard work went into at least one third of this movie, and I think it deserves to be appreciated. Yeah, I feel I feel like the last third of this movie would be great at around one thirty to two at a bar. 
I in knew the you background. were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Just no audio, no context, just sitting there having a drink with, uh, you know, a special person you've just met, and then you look up and... Oh, a shunting! A look, shunting. look, look! Well... Uh, I remember my first shunting. <laughs> Two gimlets, please. So, it was uh, my coming out party. <laughs> so, uh, for me, I would recommend Society to a very, very select audience. Uh, it would be basically strictly to horror fans. I know we've done movies where they're like they're bad movies. They're famous for being bad. I would not call this a bad movie in that camp. There's just a lot of like, like I said, the first hour is basically like preamble to get us to what we're there for. If you're a horror fan, the, the, the first hour is kind of like, eh, it's not like bad. It's mostly like bland. It's not scary. That's something we didn't really talk about. Like the stuff at the end, it's not scary in like a jump scare way or like in a midsummer way, but it's definitely horrifying and unsettling and like, will stick with you. But stuff in the first hour, there's not really anything. There's like the girl in the shower, which is like odd and unsettling. And then there's a girl on a bed where she's twisted and contorted, but it's like so obvious how they did that effect too. So there's like not any element of like it being scary or anything. So it's mostly just kind of played mysterious and weird, but still I think it's essential viewing for horror fans. Um, you know, you've got all those great eighties gore fests. I mentioned some of them, the fly, the thing, the blob, uh, phantasm Two. Evil Dead 2, uh, you know, tons of great movies where they just like went all out on gore effects and things like that. Uh, Dead Alive, another great one, although that was into the 90s, which we did a show on Dead Alive. Look that one up. It's one of our early shows from last Halloween. But yeah, so if you are a gore hound, if you are a horror fan, absolutely you should see this. This is required viewing. Outside of that window, like I said, I wouldn't really recommend it to bad movie fans because it's not, like, laughably bad. So if you, like, oh, I want to watch something that's kind of silly and I'm going to laugh at it. It's like, if you're that kind of person and not into horror movies, you're going to get to the last half hour and be like, what am I into now? Um, so I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't recommend it to my mom. I wouldn't recommend it to, like, casual folks. I wouldn't recommend this to the people I work with. I wouldn't say, hey, you know what you should watch uh, coming up this weekend? Uh, there's this movie called Society. You should give it a shot uh, because they would all look at me differently afterwards. So that would be my recommendation is that it has, you, you have to be a certified horror fan um, because like, I think you really have to be to be able to stomach it. You need, you need to have – this is like Horror 301 – you need previous prerequisites <laughs> to see this film because you have to go through other movies and be like, oh, yeah, okay, I've watched, like, Halloween. I've watched Texas Chainsaw. I've seen some gore stuff. You have to, like, have seen those and be able to stomach certain things for then this totally bizarre thing that you will experience. But if you're a horror fan, I absolutely recommend it. Um and uh, as weird as it is, I think it is still a very enjoyable movie by the end. Like, it's just interesting. I've seen plenty of movies that will, like, be dark and disturbing and show you awful stuff. And they just have this, like, nihilism and just, like, pain and torturousness. Or, like, 
I mean, one that comes to mind like Audition, which I think you and I watched, Dusty, which is a very well made, very well made film, but like just makes you feel awful while yeah. watching it. This one, like, it will gross you out, but I don't feel that it's like harming your psyche in the way that some uh, some films do. So. Yeah, it's not going to be like a a Takishi Miike or like a Rob Zombie sort of feeling at the end. It's more just like, oh, you you swung big and I respect it. And it's, yeah, and it's not like torture porn either. Uh, I mean, there's some like stuff at the end you could argue maybe has some like similarities, but just the structure of it is not presented as, and now we get to watch this person get torn apart and this person. So it's not like a Saw movie or anything like that. Um, anyway, so I would recommend it, but it is within that narrow window, which, uh, and then that brings us to, can I find this? So David mentioned that this is on Shudder. I also saw that it is on YouTube, Amazon Prime, Vudu, Google Play, Apple TV, and it is for free on Tubi. So you have plenty of options for watching Society. It's out there. As I mentioned at the top, it, uh, I'm not entirely sure if it's ever been released on American DVD. I didn't dig too far, but I was finding like a non-American format that's out there. So I don't know if it was like released in Europe and then it was never out on like Region 1 DVD and then the Blu-ray. Because the Blu-ray is like remastered and stuff. So they've, you know, they've cleaned it up and everything. So the Blu-ray came out a few years back. I think it's one of those like Screen Factory releases or something like that or Arrow. So it's going to net you. It's going to be a little on the higher end. You know, it's going to be 25, 30 bucks, something like that, because they have to recoup their expenses for some of these more obscure titles. But it's out there. Uh, if you are interested in society, if you've seen it or uh, if it sounds intriguing, you want to snag it. But like I said, it's for free on Tubi and it's on all these other services. So you should be able to track it down fairly easily. So that uh, wraps us up for society. And we will be back next time. We will be uh, going in a different direction. We're going to be looking at the 1990 Captain America movie, which uh, was uh, pretty pretty famous for being bad, not uh, Fantastic Four level bad, which we covered some months back. But uh, this is... This is well before the MCU. This is well before Marvel got their shit together. And if memory serves, this is right around the time when Marvel was going bankrupt or shortly before. Is that right, David? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, just a little bit of history. You had the Superman movie came out in 78 and kind of kicked the door down of what you could do. And then they made sequels that got kind of worse as they went. And then Batman came out in 89. Dick Tracy came out in 1990. So... By the 80s into the 90s, you started to have these superhero properties. Uh, Rocketeer, The Phantom, The Shadow, so like pulp stuff as well. So you had all these things coming out, and The Fantastic Four was 1994. So they were possibly making an effort at that. Listen to our show on that one to find out about uh, whether that was a sincere effort or not. But Captain America was 1990, and this was definitely a sincere effort for its day. It was kind of the i think it's like the first major marvel character on the big screen there was the punisher movie from like 87 with dolph lundgren but he's you know not as big a marvel character there were some tv movies 
Um, there was some weird like Japanese Spider-Man movie or something, some foreign thing. We can get into all this then. But basically, this is one of the first Marvel movies that was released from 1990. And uh, again, well before the MCU came around, which didn't start until Iron Man with 2008. And the kind of superhero renaissance didn't really get kick-started till, I'd say, like, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man in, like, 98. And then X-Men in 2000 were kind of the things that, like, okay, we're doing this for real now. And then it hasn't stopped. Um, so this predates all that. So we are going to be looking at the 1990 Captain America movie. <laughs> 